0: Hello, and we're back with another inspiring episode of Inside Jobs, brought to you by IHAF, the leading professional association for in-house agencies and Express KCS, who manage the production while in-house agencies do the thinking. For this episode, I have had the immense pleasure of talking to Luis Ruval-Cabo of IDC, now, he's a man who likes a challenge, and as you'll hear, he's always ready to rise to meet it. Clearly, he's exhilarated by engaging head-on with the unknown, and he offers us a case study in being bold and coming through. Luis, welcome to Inside Jobs.
1: Thanks for inviting me to, to your podcast. Excited to be here. And uh, currently, I'm a creative director, worldwide creative director at IDC uh, out of uh, the Boston
0: area. And IDC rings a bell. What's IDC up to? IDC, International Data
1: Corporation. It's a, it's a global research marketing firm. It was founded by Pat McGovern, one of the tech titans in the Boston and Silicon Valley. And the sister company is IDG Communications, Macworld, PCworld, all those great publications that, uh, that we grew up with during the, the, uh, the digital, early years of the digital age.
0: So quite a quite a heritage. The so heritage is it's kind of traditional publishing, but obviously brought into the present day with the with the data side of the business. Right. And your creative director there, what does that involve day to day quickly?
1: Yeah, creative director. The, the, the interesting thing is um, I have a being a worldwide creative director, I have a global teams, so I don't have any staff with me in the Boston area. My, my yeah. primary my core group is in Prague uh, and then I have uh, a team in the Philippines a team in spain there's a team uh in egypt there's a few other designers um kind of sprinkled out through the middle east turkey and dubai and in west germany yeah so um when i first got here it was just the core team out of prague but over the years we've been able to align the regional teams under worldwide design as uh you know we have this new kind of initiative under new leadership to have a globally aligned brand right so
0: very important. Well, we'll come on to how that all developed and the challenges you have of managing that later on. It's a, it's a fascinating model that you've got there, and not very common, to be honest. Uh, not yet, anyway. Although I think that I think that's going to change. But take us back to uh, it's Tucson, Arizona, isn't it that uh, you come from? So tell us a little bit about your background and uh, how you got into the whole world of, of being creative.
1: Right. So Tucson, Arizona. Right. So I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. You know, my father and his brothers had a uh, a custom. Spanish colonial furniture making business in Mexico. So uh there were three brothers, one was a businessman, one was uh the bohemian uh artist uh one and then my dad uh was kind of in between the two. So they all kind of seemed to have a, a certain creative Very convenient. creative uh, slant to them. But uh, yeah, so every everybody was drawing. We'd go to the wood shops in Mexico and and we'd see all the drawings and everything. So um at an early age drawing was just part of our our nature. And so I just always was drawing and uh, throughout elementary school, junior high and high school until eventually, you know, getting a scholarship to go take figure drawing classes in high school, which was pretty interesting. And then that led to obviously exploring uh, uh, additional art opportunities outside where I eventually landed in San Francisco and went to the Academy of Art.
0: So you were naturally drawn to to drawing and naturally drawn to kind of the creative Arts with your with your with your hands really develop developing ideas using using pencils and
1: it's one of those things I guess you know uh, some people write I was drawing mostly I funny, write funny too, how but...
0: these things develop out of the out of your environment and circumstance and uh, the fact that your 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 uncles and your father were in this business gave you an opportunity to kind of hang out and start to bit like if you wanted to do carpentry I guess or if you wanted to go into the commercial side there are all those opportunities available but. This was obviously quite a strong pull for you.
1: Yeah, I kind of regret not going into the kind of the custom wood-making furniture because uh, it is a lost art now that, you know, looking back over the years, it, uh, it's, uh, it's not what it used to be.
0: No, well, uh, you know, you could, uh, you could be worse. There's a, there's a fellow in the UK who's the last uh, certified vellum producer. So he's the only one who's certified to take goatskin and uh, prepare it for writing. In, in the UK, our laws are still written on vellum would you believe? So, so, you know, there are some even more lost arts out there. But I think, uh, yeah, it's not too late, Luis. You could uh, you could always kind of throw in the towel and get into that. But well, I, you I, didn't.
1: Yeah, I think not, I've got my retirement just pure drawing, obviously, but with a digital slant, uh, I think. Yeah, so.
0: I guess art school and then on into to the West Coast. You right,
1: right. So, you know, going into art school, I guess, you know, you go into art school thinking you want to be an artist, right, with those aspirations. And, you want, and, want
0: to be a fine artist. Right. Yeah. You want to be an artist. You want a to be a Garrett painter, right? And, uh, yeah, yeah, right.
1: And then, you know, then you start learning about other Things right, then you and you you know, I was already fairly good at drawing. Uh, that we had this old Italian teacher, Michelangelo Di Vincenzo, and uh, first thing he did in uh, in the first day of class, he said one thing that stuck with me, and he said in his broken English, He said, uh, I just want to say one thing nobody gets an A in this class, so just forget about it. Nobody gets an A, <laughs> and I'm sitting there, you know, getting my my pencils ready and whatnot, and I said, to- I remember saying to myself, well, we'll see about that. And, you know, sure enough, during you know the course of the semester, he'd come around, he'd give his demonstration, then he comes around, he'd come around to me and he yeah. said, yeah, you're pretty good there. You're pretty good. And my my friend started teasing me. But at the end of the semester, uh, when the grades got posted, there was one A, the only A he ever gave. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so is that what it takes to motivate you, just to be told something can't be done?
1: Actually, what, what uh, motivates you, yeah, is what, you know, when you somebody tells you you can't do something, right? So you start off in advert, or you start off in, in in fine art, and then you have I have a teacher, you know, I took some advertising classes, and one of the teachers said, Uh, oh, you'll never be a good art director." And I said, "Oh, I'll show you." And what happens next? I'm working in advertising, right, as an art director, because like, I could draw, but I could also yeah. think, right. So that was the thing about advertising is you could draw, and and you know, back then in the '90s, right, you like you don't, don't want to be just a a wrist, right? They called a wrist, right? You just told what to yeah. draw. I, you know i want to draw what's in my mind or i want to draw my thoughts my thinkings my problems my solutions so advertising and art directors really kind of gave you an opportunity to do that right so when you have a tv assignment or ads get the strategy and you have to you know sketch things out think things through it could be a, a design it could be a commercial a storyboard it could be a f- you know photograph uh, you're you're uh, kind of prepping for photo shoots but you know if you could draw it and think it and draw it and then have people understand it then you're in a better position to Kind of, you know, be in the driver's seat rather than being told what to draw or what to do.
0: Definitely. So this is another motivator for you, I guess, as well, to expand. To to expand from just, as you say, being a risk someone who could draw to someone who could conceptualize and then. Exactly uh, conceptualization,
1: that. right, and uh, attaching that conceptualization ability to a strategy and business problems, right. That was the key. When you could do that and solve people's business problems. That's the key.
0: Well, although I know much of your career is around in-house agencies, you did therefore start within uh, a traditional agency, Young and, & Rubicam. Young and
1: & Rubicam, right? another agency is Fabianic, Stropes & Armstrong, small agency in San Francisco. Is actually the agency that, uh, that started working on the California cooler accounts way back then. That was the first agency. Um, and then Young & Rubicam, that's where I did a lot of TV commercials and uh, a lot of traveling that i you a lot know uh, yeah and it was very fun but it was it's like you know they say advertising can you know after a while it can burn you out or after a while you can come to the realization is like are these tv commercials really doing anything of great <laughs> value rather than just pushing product
0: right and
1: i think it's that's kind of the that...
0: creative angst moment it's, right uh, it's, i mean how many... am i contributing to the world here
1: right how many talking cars can uh, can i do right I, so i did the first spanish talking car for chevron you know those talking cars that they do you know, and after a while, you know, how many ATT t commercials can you do uh, or Radio Shack commercials? That, you know, it just, you know, it got to, this, it wasn't exciting anymore. Uh, and then, so that's when, that's the close of the 90s. And you hear the, you know, you hear, you're you starting to hear the uh, the sound of pixels growing louder, kind of, you know, as the digital age is approaching. And you know, this train's coming and uh, you don't want to miss that boat. And uh, so I, I started uh, dabbling and, and getting up to speed on you know, what's it mean to, to become a creative in the digital age? You know, web designer is it a web design? Back then it was, a, it was a, it was Wild West, right? You didn't really, there were no roles.
0: So with all this new technology coming along, were you, did you already have a technical bent anyway? Were you comfortable with the technologies from the get-go?
1: Well, I, I think so because, uh, you know, I took to the computer fairly quickly. So yeah. I think some people just have a disposition, I think, to certain things. And, you know, you take to something like a duck to water or you kind of dip your toes and kind of have second thoughts, but I didn't have second thoughts at all. I dove head first into it.
0: So do you remember your first digital engagement, your non-print, non-TV engagement?
1: Not specifically. Um, you know, back then I we started into Adobe, right? So Adobe Suite, right? So Adobe started buying things like PageMaker, You had these early software programs, PageMaker and Quark, and all those things we were working on uh, for publishing and to create these, but they didn't have, they were just for print. So when Adobe came along and started to kind of aggregate all the software and it started, you know, you could see where that was going. It was going towards digital. It was going towards motion. You know, back then in the late 90s, there was, you know, people were doing um, interactive CDs, right? DVDs. And yeah. and the and the programming language was Lingo, so I started learning Lingo to learn how to program and and, and do that. And I remember you had no fear. No, but you, you know, it gets to the point where when you immerse yourself in something, you know, I started dreaming in Lingo. I remember dreaming in Lingo. It's like, what? <laughs> but that they don't use that language anymore, right? But uh,
0: no, no, I've forgotten about Lingo till you mentioned it just then. Yeah. So tell me you were at the agency, and but you did then move pretty quickly to what I think we could safely call in-house. Uh, well, yeah. world. So how did that transition happen?
1: Well Well, actually it was so again, so as, as the '90s were coming to a close, and, and you know, I wanted out of market out of advertising. But I started looking around and uh, a recruiter from the Boston area reached out and had this opportunity at this marketing firm. Uh, I turned it, at first, I turned it down. He, he called back again a few months later, and it was more of a direct marketing firm. But then he kind of, you know, talked my ear off and said, "Well, they're they really looking for someone with agency experience. You know, they want to really expand their their capabilities." So I said, "All right, I'll listen." They flew me out to to Boston to the Lincoln area, a company called Prevision Marketing, and uh, you know, it was cold as hell.
0: I was going to say that, yeah, you, you, know, you probably weren't used to the weather. Right. Yeah. And it
1: was the middle of January. I remember it was like 15 degrees, and but uh, you know, we talked, and it was a good group of people, smart group. They were doing some good stuff, and I you I at the end of the day, I said, you know, if uh, I'll join, if you. If you make me ACD of interactive, right? I've never been ACD of interactive. I was I was a senior art director, right? Associate creative. Sounds
0: like a man who had nothing to lose and everything Right. To so
1: yeah, I said, I want you know, if you if you guys are willing to go down the road of interactive and di- digital media, you know, uh, I'll I'll come on board if you do that. So they they did. They brought me on board. And, I, and Were
0: you confident that you knew what you were doing at that point?
1: It, like I said, it was a wild, wild west, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kingdom of the blind, one-eyed man, all that. You know, yeah, you okay. just
1: learn. You learn as you go, you know. And yeah. you started. T- we started taking, I started taking uh, more more Flash courses. Uh, yeah. I forgot what else.
0: You couldn't just pop onto YouTube and learn Flash, no, right? Not the time, then, no, was, not uh, right, It was not a little more then. convoluted yeah. than that.
1: Right, exactly. You had to go out and take some courses. And there were, there were a few yeah. people out there giving courses. So... And, you know, and, uh, you know, we just learned as we went along and um, just started building your skill set. And that, and I think that's the key. That's the key, you know, for me anyways, like you start your career. I don't know about all careers, but I know in the creative field, I can relate to that more than anything. But you start your career with a core competency, right? So mine going back was drawing, right? And over the years, you add to that core competency. And over the years, you know, whether it's strategy, whether it's concepting, typography, every skill set and what happens is so a core a core it just visualize a core skill set as a circle every competency that you add adds a plane to it it becomes a polygon then that polygon then becomes to take shape so it becomes more dimensionalized and the more not that you need a lot of skill sets but you can take a certain level amount of skill set that can really benefit you as an individual in a career path and i think that's what the way i had always looked at it
0: it seems to me that at every stage though you've sort of followed the advice that you had in the uh, you know, when you were at college, which is that you you seem to set yourself goals and then f- then backfill from there.
1: right it takes a bit of a risk a little you have to be a little bit bold and yeah. hey, that's what life's about.
0: yeah, calculated risk, calculated risk. so now you stay you're in Boston now, so you stayed on the east coast you, the weather didn't put you off too much
1: right no actually no so um, uh, then the after when I was at uh, prevision then you had the dot bomb and 911 here yeah. right. So remember that there were uh, layoffs and retrenching going on. Yeah. So there was uh layoffs there in 2009, 11. And uh, uh, after a few months of, at Bose, I was recruited, joined um, a company. That, and this was actually my first in-house assignment. BJ's Wholesale Club, um, a confidential recruit research going on. And somebody contacted me. They were looking for someone with agency experience, web experience. And uh, to, to manage this large in-house agency of like, it was like 25 people. And um, when I went to the website, I was horrified. I was just horrified uh, at what I saw. But then I also realized the opportunity. Horrified
0: because it was so excellent. There was no way you could possibly top it. Yeah, or...
1: exactly. No, it was horrified because <laughs> it's just it's awful, right? It was just.
0: Well, I think you should be delighted in that case. Exactly, right, exactly.
1: Through. So it, it didn't take long to realize that the opportunity was at hand. Um, yes. So I, I joined BJ's as creative director there for, I was there for four or five years. And But after a while, you know, it's for me, it's a challenge. It's like I get bored easily. I need to be challenged. I need to be engaged. Um, and after a while, I did a lot of things that I set out to do. And I had set up a succession plan, and I was ready to move on. Move on. So I moved on and then spent a little bit of time uh, freelancing at Fidelity on some interesting oh, yeah. uh, uh, mm-hmm. interactive uh, things. Yeah. And then I was recruited by the Boston Globe to become the creative, re- creative director at the Boston Globe Media.
0: Well, this was this was moments before the big downturn in newspapers. Exactly
1: well. right. So the right. very
0: last bit before two thousand eight was their fight was their biggest year ever. I'm
1: right. Thinking. And then two thousand nine, the the recession two thousand eight two thousand nine, the recession hit. Right. So then that massive layoffs there. Right. Massive yeah. layoffs yeah. across yeah. the industry. And then I went back to the West Coast. And uh, but in in the interim. I got sidetracked by a recruiter to go to Capital One for a year and down in Richmond, which I did. um, I knew it was only a temporary thing, but I I did that because it was right in the middle of the recession. And and they were willing to pay to relocate. And and so I did that. It was interesting Um, but I ended up going back to California, San Francisco where I started my career, but now I went back, not as an advertising person, but, you know, as a creative director with, you know, web skills, UX, UI skills, and uh, a lot of the friends, so here's the thing, a lot of the friends that uh, I had left uh, those years before who did not make the transition to the digital realm were really struggling, so... A lot of people, if you didn't make that that uh, jump, that skill set uh, acquisition, you know, it was it, it was tough for a lot of people. Yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. like photography dried up. right? I, it just it just totally changed the landscape. But I was I, I felt I, I was well positioned. And sure enough, I, you know, landed a few roles, uh, Success Factors SAP and Gigya in Silicon Valley. So mm-hmm. I spent uh, five years there. Six years there um, in in the Bay Area.
0: You're you're moving along a lot. I mean, is that is that just the way you are? That you because obviously you've been at IDC now for some years. But is that is that a characteristic of you, or is that the you just felt you needed more fulfillment, or were there other issues at play?
1: A little bit of both, but I think um, you know the the so when I went to Success Factors, it was bought by SAP, right, and okay. and then I was recruited. So when, when recruiters come calling, you know, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm willing to listen, right. So and so when I was at uh, I was at SAP for, for about 2 years and then uh Gigya came calling another opportunity a new environment new product right so every situation presents new learning and uh Gigya was a Israeli owned company and then they were bought off bought by SAP So you were
0: back at SAP again
1: No but but at that point uh when that when that purchase went through is when I was recruited to go.
0: Oh, I see. So you moved across, okay? Because I, I I have heard of people uh, getting jobs and then finding they get acquired by the people they used to work for. And, uh, well, well, yeah, but everything.
1: not the people I used to work for, but the Boston area, right? So at now IDC came calling, um, and this was the this one really. So this role really grabbed my attention because um, because of its global yeah. footprint and the opportunity to manage a global brand. So so I ended up back here in Boston. I've been here now five years at
0: this company. So let's talk about that because you said at the beginning of the interview that you have this very um, geographically spread and, and actually it's not like they're all in the United States. They're culturally spread as well with a, with a big C. So that was a learning curve for you, I'm sure. Tell us about what you came into and how that evolved.
1: All right. So the, when, when I got into IDC... Um, you have to remember uh the, the, there's a the history of idc's pat mcgovern he had a very entrepreneurial spirit and he built these two companies as a you know very entrepreneurial get it done environment and uh he left a lot of things to the regions, regional managers um and it worked you know people succeeded the, the company grew but after a while what was missing was um or what was happening was brand fragmentation there was no brand governance and you you could have you, you know uh, events from different regions on the same topic, looking very different. And so that was an issue. And and when I arrived at IDC, one of my driving questions was global company or a conglomeration of companies, you know, I need to know because without, Mm -hmm. I can't operate unless I need to know. My understanding Mm -hmm. is we we want to be a global company. And obviously that's what we wanted to be, but it took a while to kind of get things in place, get the new leadership in place. And now there's really a concerted effort to align the brand. We're doing a brand refresh with an updated logo uh, with brand governance. It's a global initiative. We have the support of the CEO and the president of the company, um, so for me, it's very gratifying now after four or five years of you know, really nudging inch by inch by inch to align the designers, to put in platforms, to put in systems for collaboration across the organization, across regions. We're really starting to see things fall into place now. It's really a transformative uh, kind of experience. Uh, for me to see that and i hope I hope the rest of the company and executives who have been there can see that and appreciate that as well from a brand perspective it's a great you know the the, the product is a research it's the analyst it's it's great it's world class uh, and we just you know my whole objective was to make sure that everything that we publish on the website or through events is world class and does justice to the value that the research brings to customers which are really as transformative on a social, economic and business level.
0: So you mentioned when you got there that there was already a team in Prague, I think you started with? There was
1: a team in Prague but it was more or less a help desk team, you know, and and that was one of the first things that we went about to address was design is not a help desk. It's, it's an integral part of the organization. It's
0: were, were you asked to build a design team in Prague because you happen to have an office there and, and it might be beneficial no, kind of so economically? Every, every, or? Everything
1: was off short a few years before I got there. And it was just operating as a pretty much as a tactical, uh,
0: mm-hmm. on,
1: on the tactical level. Design la- services. Yeah, yeah. So it took a little bit of training, retraining, because they hadn't had that leadership before.
0: But had these people come from agencies themselves or is this uh, very often a first job? A
1: lot of them, uh, were, they had been in the business in, in Prague, but not from agencies, maybe from design firms or tech firms. You know, There's one, Hannah. she's actually from, uh, heritage is from Korea, I think New Zealand or Australia, she grew up. And uh, so she has this international flair to her and she's a great designer. And, and you know, my whole approach was to get these people, these designers to really become the thought leaders and subject matter matter experts um, within the organization. And, and I think we've done that.
0: And just to be clear, from the get-go, they weren't just serving their local region. They were serving the company as a whole.
1: Right. So the, the way that it's divided up, it's the... Um, so the Prague team services um, worldwide, which is U.S. and uh, Central and Eastern Europe. And then there's uh, the Western Europe teams in Spain. Uh, the Middle Eastern team is... And Egypt uh, and Dubai and Turkey, uh, and then there's the AP team which services AP, and they're out of the Philippines.
0: And this is a what you might call follow the sun process. So you've yes, got you've heard teams of that. Well, that's what in, we're trying. Right.
1: That's what we're trying to do, right? So that couldn't have happened a year ago or two years ago, but now that that conversation is taking place, follow the sun. So. It can't happen without alignment. It can't happen without platforms and resources in place and collaboration, right? So things like Monday.com for project management, Envision, uh, Canva for design tools for non-designers. There's a lot of things that have to fall into place in order for you to be successful at that. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: And And while you're doing that, you need to align them stylistically, as well for the brand
1: absolutely and so, is,
0: is that uh, with all these different time zones in operation is that a matter of kind of getting people to uh to, to get on a call in the middle of the night so that everyone can get on a call with you and, and lead that um how does that happen
1: the design re- regional designers and the design leads did not report into worldwide they were on their own they report into into country managers managers who knew nothing about design they knew about their mm. business and their events. so to me that's a disservice to designers you can't grow a designer into a proper role with proper feedback loops if you don't have some sort of design branding skills of your own. So mm. they're kind of that. Hence the the uh, the help desk, right? Design service help desk scenario. So mm. what we've done is put the design lead, so they report into me now. Put them in a position to understand explicitly where the where the brand is going. Uh, we meet daily. So they can be then the the key touch points to the regions, right? So they don't have to and come. Kind of
0: your representative in the region. They don't says, have to come to me,
1: even though people will still come to me. That you know, I've I've empowered them, developed them, hopefully to be in a position to speak for the brand in a unified manner.
0: And does that also mean that you adopt? best practices with briefing and uh, workflow and how that process works and the general job flow work process right too. so
1: you know again you know the project brief is is an important document do we always get it no do we always ask for it for the most part yes so yeah a brief is important the workflow again we have a process that we try to uh, adhere to and we're always working on it again you know we've been working on this over the past four really over the past Two years, it's really accelerated, right? Mm-hmm. So finally, you know, I'm able to get uh, budgets for things like Canva mm-hmm. for non-designers. We'll design the templates, right? So one of the biggest mm-hmm. thing is you want to empower people. You don't want everybody coming to design for everything because it'll just bog us down, right? But you want to empower people to to solve and, and go to print to press as quick as possible, mm-hmm. uh, or design to, to press. Um, and we set up templates in Canva for regional teams uh, to to publish their own stuff that will lock things down, right? The, the logos and things and whatnot types, colors. So there's brand kits built into that. So that helps, that helps with, uh, you know, maintaining a certain brand, uh, level of brand, uh, cohesion product development's big. Uh, but we're seeing things now that we haven't seen happen in the company in even a year ago. There's, there's really this concerted effort to, uh, collaborate, to align globally, to communicate across, uh, desperate teams mm-hmm. um so it it really you're seeing the change in real time and it's not something that you know you have to wait for it's happening i was told i you know normally a creative director reports into the cmo right i was mm-hmm. told um you're going to be reporting to the cio and i said oh well that's that's, that's unusual right. but I'm, I'm i'm listening so there was reasons for that which i won't get into um it makes sense but so the cio first thing, one of the first things he told me says I don't know anything about managing creative director, but you know, but it's been a good relationship because he's really been supportive uh, in a lot of the things that we're doing. And uh, one of those things was um, being part of or establishing a, a global events committee. And there was a global events committee meeting in London that I was invited to present branding to. And it was the first time AP, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, and the Middle East all got together to talk about events. And, and then I, I had a couple hours to talk about branding. So that was the first time that uh, these people came together. And it was the foundation of kind of aligning all the events and all the, the brand architecture that we were working on uh, with the regional event teams. So that was the first thing. And, and what that did was set up the subsequent meeting, the summit, uh, because I was able to build instill confidence in these managers who managed the budgets and the all the yeah. people, the resources in those regions. And I was able to propose, I said, I want to have a design summit in Prague and invite all the designers from the regions. And they all they all signed on. And for the first time in 2019, end of 2019, we had a worldwide design summit in Prague. And I brought in the designers from That's the Philippines. Cool. What a
0: beautiful place to do it as well.
1: And we had a full week. I had a full agenda of, we talked about everything. And we you know, put up a website uh, internally on, on our intranet that was a foundation to you know, that's what really set the stage to, for really aligning the teams had those two events not happened
0: yeah well you got it in just in time as well yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. no i i totally relate to that so i think that we're going to have to draw this to a close Louise, but i'm curious to know whether there's uh, whether there's anything you do outside running the international a creative uh, in-house agency for IDC. Uh, you read a lot? Well, read. Uh, so you know,
1: the summer I read a lot. Um, and uh, the last book, the, the, I did three books over the summer, I think. It was The Labyrinth of Spirits, two books by Carlos Ruiz Zafon, who's a Spanish writer. Uh, the first book, uh, The Shadow of the Wind, I read years ago, but I reread it, and then I also read The Labyrinth of Spirits. It's, uh, it's just great storytelling that takes place in, in Barcelona, I also reread Dune.
0: <laughs> wow, Do you know, I think I, as a as a young man, I tried Dune about three times because everyone told me how great it was. I could never. I like the filmmaking. I could never get over the line really.
1: Right, yeah. So there's a new film coming out that I figured I'd better. I, that's how it. I heard. Yeah. Yeah, and then the, I just picked up uh, Barack Obama's book. So that's
0: next on my list. Oh, that'll get you. To, yeah, that'll that'll keep you out of trouble. I'm sure while the while the rest of, while while the lockdown persists, uh, Louise. Thank you so much for for joining us on on Inside Jobs. If people want to Talk to you about how to handle. We didn't really talk about the, the cultural differences and how you deal with that. But if people wanted to contact you and talk about your experiences there, what's the best way to reach you?
1: Sure. Yeah, they could reach me on LinkedIn. You know, um, re LinkedIn profile at uh, Luis Rubalcaba and LinkedIn. Uh, it's okay. a good place.
0: We'll have that on the. Uh, we'll have that on the show notes as well.
1: Well, Robert, um, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, thank you very much for your time. It's a fascinating story, Luis, and uh, has taken us all, not only around the United States, but also around the world as well. And, uh, yeah, I hope it wasn't wanna... too
1: much of a whirlwind there for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was a bit quick. We could have done it a lot more time. Thank you, Luis.
1: Okay, Robert.
0: Thanks so much to Luis for joining us on Inside Jobs. What really struck me here was how he seemed to set his sights on an objective without any regard for the way he'd reach it. To him, obstacles just seemed to be there to be tackled and in no way to prevent him doing what he wants to do. I, I found that message really quite inspiring. Now, thank you so much to our fabulous partners that I have, specifically Emily Foster and my producer, Amy McNamara, for making this podcast possible. Also, of course, to Express KCS AV team for handling the podcast editing so efficiently. Now, if you've not come across this podcast before, then a very, very warm welcome to you. Do take the chance to visit us at our newly rebranded website at ijpodcast.com to see the ever-expanding back catalogue of episodes. If you have any thoughts or ideas, then feel free to drop a comment there. And also, you can sign up to the extremely intermittent IJ newsletter. So do please keep the feedback coming. Till the next time!